The year is 1986. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. Oh, I, you, I, I thought I had a joke. Jabroni. You said I you were starting it. I thought I had a joke. What, what have we been talking about? I'll come up with something real quick. What was the uh, last thing we talked about? I mean, the, the last episode we did was with Frankie as a guest host, and we uh, talked about a lot of circles. X-Men. We talked about uh, apparently new Defenders people have been sending us. I've seen yeah. at least one tweet today. Yeah, Somebody's saying like, hey, Beast, Iceman, and Angel were on New Defenders, okay. which I have oh, yeah. no memory of. Yeah, I think that actually means that I'm the comic book master now, and you're the journeyman. Okay, I, I suspect it, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club, where we're going through Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman, and I'm joined today by Dave, founder and CEO of Comic Book Herald, and number one... Defenders mistake make. No, that's not a. How do I say this? Uh, number one dummy when it comes to the defenders. <laughs> I think I think your record as a permanent black mark because of the way you screwed up your defenders knowledge in the last episode. Everyone's talking about it. So before saw... you before you clarify what may or may not have happened, mm-hmm. um, I would like to say I did check newdefendersdummies.com earlier today. And uh, it was it was a, a site that it looked like someone had just put up like there was a scrolling headline like it looked like somebody's first HTML and I could see in the source code it was clearly hosted by Zachary Dean mm-hmm. and there was just yes. a scrolling text bar that said Dave is a dummy bouncing yes. from side to side uh, but so that is confirmed I did. Yes. I, here's what I'm guessing happened. New I've Defenders had some people... Dummy is my uh, my new like it's it's gonna be a porn site because well and I wish I wish that hand one I wish it wasn't a porn site because that's been new, a disturbing. New Defenders Dummy Thick is actually the URL I was going for, but I couldn't get it. Dummy, oh that's pretty good. New Defenders Dummy Thick. Um, I think you're on something there. Monetize that baby quick. <laughs> uh, I do think New Defenders. So Beast Angel and Iceman, the X Men, are all in at least, like, the last issue of the run. I'm guessing, from my memory, when we had our episode with Frankie, you said they were on a team together, and I said champions would be my mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. And then you said, the defenders. no defenders, you dummy, mm-hmm. yep. thick. And uh-huh. and I probably disagreed. Is that probably how this played out? Something like that. I think I just knew... Well, the, the thing is... Yeah, I don't think I'm like you. You have not I, read I didn't, these issues. Let's. Be I didn't clear. know my Marvel no history more. I think in the issue they mentioned, like Angel was like, "Oh, I miss being in the Defenders," and I was like, "Oh, you must have been in the Defenders." Putting just using a little bit of um, like deductive reasoning here to to put together all these clues. Yeah, you deducted my ass. I mean, that's yeah. what happened. Is is what you're <laughs> saying? So now I am the number one new Defenders dummy, and I have to and I have to own that. Um, and you know what? fair fair you know like if i'm gonna call you out on all of your just irrational wildness yeah around the world of comics it is only fair it is only fair that i acknowledge 
as as the bigger boy when I've made a mistake. That's <laughs> <laughs> the bigger boy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, so this is uh, 1986's first variant cover of many. We're going to have three here because we're doing six full episodes. That means nine full episodes for 1986. That's absurd. Um We'll have to talk Including about the variants, yes. Mm-hmm. This is how many we want to do, how many variants we want to do per uh, per year. Why is it but absurd? The, I, don't, I don't understand your your hesitancy to this. I just want to, I want to read more comics. Oh, I mean, it doesn't sound like I, it. I mean, I've been so grumpy about them lately. You wouldn't think. Well, here's the thing more, is we can't so. even talk about, we can't even talk yet. Of, so this, this episode is coming out before 1986 part three, which is the absolute, uh, the absolute biggest disagreement I'd say we've had. I mean, yeah, I think, sure. right? Like, yeah. I would you say... Know, a, a good one, though, actually. I think that episode's really good. I think um, it's fair. I mean, I think it's fair. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't lose my head <laughs> in, a, <laughs> in a way that maybe, you you know, I could. You don't either. Um, we have, we hash it out, you know? We hash it out like big boys. And, and I'm yeah. proud of us. Uh, but I will say it's the biggest fight we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, and we haven't recorded the next episode about Daredevil, Love and More. And I'm very excited about that one because I... I, I don't know what your take on that is, but I'm kind of hoping we, we get to reconcile. We get to we get to kiss and bank up on that one. I mean, part of the problem now is if you like something, yeah. I'm really inclined to want to take sure. a counter stance. Yeah, sure. Right? But that is real difficult when we're well, talking like, about yeah. Frank Miller in 1986 mm-hmm. <laughs> with art by Bill Cavage on yep. a couple things and, uh, and, and David Michelini. And we're probably gonna have to figure out how to say that name. I'll tell you that <laughs> when we get to Daredevil born again. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna I mean, be it, a tricky one. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you have that. Um, what's that Onion article? That's like heartbreaking. The worst person you know just made a great point. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Dave yeah. feels every time we agree about a comic. Yeah, totally. But no, things are things are skidding off the tracks here in the My Marvelous Year. A uh, little inside baseball for you. Um, things are heated. All right. Episodes mm-hmm. coming. We don't usually get to be like, hey, check out this big fight. Like, we know that's what you're here for. But ding, 1986 ding. part three, baby. Mm-hmm. It's I, probably even talking about it in these terms now is going to be so disappointing because well, our you version know of a fight is just yet. like I, calmly. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> edited it, it yet. No, no, I, I think I think it was. I think it was a little a little revved up. But. The content is definitely like we just totally disagree. So that that part of it, I'm yeah. certain of. But the idea that I, like I'm not like yelling at you, <laughs> I'm still I'm still holding out. I still think people are gonna gonna be with me on this one. Mutant massacre. Hmm. I, anyway, I, I, yeah, your your like your opinions are definitely validated um, by validated by yeah. the My Marvelous Year Slack. I, there's no question about it that if individuals in the my marvelous year slack which you can become a part of by going to patreon.com slash my marvelous year if they say they agree with you that is huge validation for you whereas i am so confident in my opinions that i don't need validation for many external sources good good um, point <laughs> <laughs> so do you uh, want also to, uh, oh sorry go on well i do immediately have to uh, uh clarify something born again is david mazzichelli not david michelini uh, oh yeah, thank I, you, you J Pop, like, huh, for that I in the comments. I don't know. I don't know Knew that was wrong the second yeah. it came out, so I'm just going to go ahead and register uh, DavidMazzichelliDummy.com here while you uh, <laughs> hopefully transition us to something. I else. I think you could probably get DavidMazzichelliDummyThick.com if you want. You're right, and you might as well do them both, right? You do the one that's, that's on... just uh, self-flagellation, and then you do the second one that's porn. Version I don't of that. know the man, but I think that's probably on his business cards. David Mazzichelli, comma Dummy Thick. <laughs> 
Uh, I should be on more of guest on our show, David. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do some questions. I got some good questions here coming from the Slack, and some. Actually, I'll start out with an email here. Well, no, I won't because I gotta load it. Okay. Uh, first question is from someone here. Peter, right? Artwork's an important part of any comic. Great art and epic splash pages excite us. <laughs> I love how he writes this as if he's like, it's ad copy. <laughs> Great art and epic splash pages excite us. While it is. It's like uh, poorly laid out action sequences confuse and distract us. It's like it's the Marvel editorial offices writing like a backup blurb for an art book. If this sounds right? like it describes you, Marvel Comics is the uh, is the publisher for you. Yeah. Uh, however, not every title seems equally affected by the artwork. If everything I've read, Dr. Bot... If everything I've read... Okay, I think he means... Are you choking? No. What's happening? It's an awkward sentence. With everything I've read, I think is what he meant to write. Doctor Strange seems to be the most impacted by art. Artists who don't have a good feel for the title can go too far with the trippy imagery, resulting in a muddled disaster that's beyond confusing to follow. While in the hands of the best artists, the title yields stunning dynamic comics that have been among my favorites to read. What other titles do you think are especially affected by the artwork more than other titles? It's a good question. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a huge part of a good Doctor Strange comic. I think anything sure. supernatural mm-hmm. operating in Marvel's mystic realms. I mean, Steve Ditko set the template for that. You know, it's just kind of like that's what you Jim have Starlin to do. Jim Starlin walked. I, yeah, because like Jim Starlin took that and ran with it, and like the visuals are such a big part of why his stuff is incredible. So like then, Marvel Cosmic. Yeah, yeah. But then other people the other do Marvel area. Cosmic, and it. Seem, I don't know, like, you know, you can have artists who do that stuff and it's just flat, and like he said, confusing and muddled. That's a real problem sometimes. You even get that with the same artist, like Bill Sienkiewicz, I think, has, like, beautiful, clear, just, like, pitch-perfect storytelling in some comics. And then there's some New Mutants issues where I'm like, oh, it's, it's a little too ambitious, and he kind of, like, lost control of the, uh, the rudder? I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I wouldn't say New Mutants is a book that benefits from his style, but New Mutants mm-hmm. as a property is not one that I'm like, it yeah, lives I, and dies on its art necessarily. This is right this is because it's still boring, very much a kid team book. Yeah, this is a boring answer, but I don't think there's any title for me that actually I would say like the artwork matters more or less, right? There, yeah, I would kind of say Silver Surfer now, especially because so a recent thing, and I won't spoil anything, but Silver Surfer Black mm-hmm. five issue mini is Ooh, yeah, a very artistic, like just slam dunk by Trad Moore. And that book, Silver Surfer as a character, benefits tremendously um, from, like, really, really exciting cosmic visuals. I'm Mike Allred, the run that he did recently. Like, I don't know that I'm that interested in a Silver Surfer ongoing that Mm -hmm. doesn't have an art, like, that I wouldn't put the art first in -hmm. terms of my enjoyment. I, I hear what you're saying. I guess I just don't, like, New Mutants and Daredevil are two of the comics that their visuals excite me the most. And neither of those are comics where I'm like, it's built into the subject matter that it has to be big, bam, ba- big, bam, bam, big, bombastic. I like bombastic better. That yeah. is bam, bombastic. It's, like <laughs> it's like the fifth reality TV show Bam Margera tried to do. And at that point we were just like, bombastic. Well, the weirdest part about of it is he was cosplaying as bam, bam from the Flintstones during the whole thing. <laughs> I, I don't know why he thought that would connect with a modern audience. Um, yeah, don't watch that. But yeah, I think Daredevil, anything that's like street level to me is like, it can, it can be a pretty, um, the art, obviously like art matters, like storytelling matters in yeah, all comics. Yeah, but in terms of like, I will read this book because of the art, I guess, mm-hmm. if that's the, if that's the general idea, um, it kind of, for me has to be cosmic. It has to be that giant over 
overstated stuff because otherwise like you know it's a it's a superhero on the streets of new york like Mm -hmm. that's we get a lot of that you know to varying degrees of success i I don't know i just think like wonder woman for example is a comic that like there's wonder woman that has incredible art and i'm there for that and i like their work and then there's wonder woman that has very plain like they're not doing these big flashy things you know that's a comic that just I, i think it's just there needs to be something there but I, I don't think there's any title that I'm just like, this has to have great art no. or it's a failure for me. I, I guess I would only say that in regards of like Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer don't necessarily have that much going on in the writing that intrigued me. So I guess the artwork has to make up for that. So I guess, yeah, I, I guess, guess that's, that's actually probably the, the key there is I'm not like they could as caught yeah. by the story just right. the writing right yeah um like if it's like as a doctor strange like the most recent doctor strange ongoing is written by mark wade and it's fine it's fine but it's not super exciting but again like i've i've already declared like i'm not the biggest doctor strange fan period but now if you mm-hmm. told me that book had um you know the trad more art that i'm talking about in silver surfer black i would have read every issue so it does make a difference yeah 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 i agree i mean i think i've said this before like I think a, a comic is more easily sabotaged by the art for me than the writing. Like that, I think that holds really true. Like a lot of the comics that I fuss about when we're we're talking on the show could be salvaged by good art. Like Claremont and uh, Simonson, when they have like the best artists with them, I often you know like my complaints about their writing fall by the wayside because I think a good artist who's doing good storytelling with their art can really salvage so-so writing. Yeah, I mean the collaboration is huge part of it. I will say on the flip yeah, side of that. I don't know that the writing's going to hold up as outstanding, but when we get to the 90s and that sort mm-hmm. of like overextended crosshatching and action, you know, extreme <laughs> style takes hold, mm-hmm. uh, the art is going to make getting through the comics uh, that much more difficult in in yeah. many cases. Not in all, but in yeah. many cases. Um, yeah. So obviously it's a balancing act. Like that's that's the whole thing with comics, right? There's a lot of players involved. You know, we're, we're not even talking colors. I've got two oh, books. Right. Yeah. This has really been on top of mind. I've got two comics in the last week. Uh, Map to the Sun by Sloan Leong, who I'm interviewing tomorrow, which I'm super excited about. It's a graphic novel from First Second. And uh, uh, Octobriana 1976 by Jim Rugg, which was kickstarted. I just got my copy. The colors on these books are out of this oh, that, world. Oh, that Sloan Leong book is beautiful. Yeah. The colors are just off the charts incredible. And it's like, it's this thing where I had never really, I don't view myself as like this, I'm, I'm not an art student i don't super understand it right colors to me are like i notice them when they're super splashy but i don't have a very distinct language around describing it but these Mm -hmm. books the colors alone i'm like yeah i'll just like scroll through this and look it's it's incredible well i mean the the way it's integrated those ones are a little easier to just like i i mean there's coloring that's easier to note that it's good because it's so such an obvious thing at the forefront like that is using such a it's distinct a color point. palette of yeah. like sunset colors of like big hot purples and yellows that you know jumps out to you i mean it's the kind of idea of people watching like david fincher or tarantino movies and being like this is filmmaking because it's so much filmmaking right and it's like not to say that mm. they're not great filmmakers but it's almost easier to notice with someone when you do more like that you know than sure. someone who's doing sure. yeah it's not subtle, subtle choices yeah. right it's not subtle yeah. um but yeah no it's 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 an interesting question um i'd be curious to hear other people like what it's been if there are characters that are super art driven for them that's an interesting yeah. idea yeah i mean i guess everything starlin does like that that probably is my best but thanos answer. is not an art driven character by no, any measure no he's me. he's both yeah yeah but this is also just what we've read of thanos which man i missed that boy where's he been where is that boy? Locked what happened to that boy? 
All right, I got another question here from Johannes, a.k.a. Tiny Vampire. What are your sacred cows? He means holy cows. What are your holy cows? When it comes to comics, things or opinions you hold so firmly and dearly that they are immune to questioning or alternate viewpoints. (laughs) Um, have Have you listened to My Marvelous Year before? Because probably some of these have come out on my end. Uh, it seems it mm-hmm. seems like a possibility. I would say generally I'm pretty flexible. You know, uh, I can th- okay. I can touch my toes with the best of them. I think we can all agree. I would say Doctor Doom just being the best is a is a pretty big holy cow comic book opinion for me. Mm. You know, like that one. I'm not really open to alternates. <laughs> like like they disinterest me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to hear them. Uh, what do, What do you think? You're You're less of a holy cow guy. You're You're more of yeah. the look at me. I'm a, I'm the tough guy with long hair taking on yeah. holy cows, right? Do you have that, any of your own? No, because I was thinking about this. I, I read this this afternoon when he wrote it, and I was like, I don't think so. Like I'm pretty good about being able to reevaluate stuff that I love. And I guess there are things. There are comics that I kind of love, and now that I can recognize the criticisms criticisms in them. I still, like, might be like, well, it doesn't matter as much to me. Like, I just love this comic kind of beyond the, uh, you know, like, objective reason. So, like, and I think this is an excellent comic, but I was just rereading Wonder Woman number one by George Perez again for, like, the sixth time. And reading it again, for over and over again, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, here's, there's some issues here with the storytelling. Like, I think there's a, a problem here, like, the, the, the themes are a little muddled here, and, like, I don't think he pulls this off quite as deftly, deftly? Deftly as a... As, like, I initially thought. It doesn't okay. really lessen my enjoyment of that comic. I still just kind of... Don't you think... I just don't know how... Like, when you're studying a work, you know? It's like, yeah, of course you're going to see it. Yeah. You're studying this thing. Yeah. I don't know. It just sucks the enjoyment out of it for me, I think. Um, so, which isn't to say, like, like rereading with a critical lens has value, certainly. Yeah, sure. Um, if I'm actually going to write about something or, or talk about something in detail, it helps to to reanalyze the work uh but i do think like yeah when you watch the movie for the second and third time you start to see the holes you know you start to see the things that that are messy about it so i don't know like there's just there's so little work or art that could withstand that level of scrutiny to me that it's not that's not abnormal i guess is what i would say you're you're very normal zach in here you have nothing to worry about (laughs) reading one woman for the sixth time it's not weird to me that uh that yeah no i'm just saying like it's not like it's not like one woman is 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 actually worse i feel like that's the important thing like there's this idea and i think this happens a lot with modern critical re-examinations of works that were really celebrated where it's like somebody can come in and be like hey this thing is bad because of this and it's a t- it can be a very good criticism, right? But that doesn't change the fact that I might have enjoyed it in 2011. Sure, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I well, I don't except like there there are those things. I mean, it, there's a difference too because there's a difference to going back to something and being like, oh hey, this is not popping the way it did in 2011. You know, like I I've had yeah. that with Fables, which is a comic I still really enjoy, but like every time I've read Fables, I like it a little less. And I think like I think a lot about that comic hasn't aged well, and a lot about it is still excellent. But, like, that would have been, like, top five of all time comics for me ten years ago. You know, just, like, an, an unimpeachable work. And now yeah. I'm, like, yeah, it's pretty, it's upper mid-tier for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no. I just think there's that danger of, there's a danger uh, with any art form, really, of when you start looking, not that it's wrong, but again, like, I think critical analysis has a ton of value. But when you start looking through all the problems, you start thinking, like, 
because I, I do this a lot with my best comics of all time list, right? Where I, I can be looking at the top five, and I've got Watchmen, I've got Sandman, I've got Bone. Mm-hmm. I don't really have this problem with Bone, actually. But, like, Watchmen in particular. It's like, hey, there's a lot of problems with Watchmen, you know? Like, yeah. hey, is this actually the best comic? And it's like, well, it's not a perfect comic, so should it be my number one comic? But then you can just have this, like, endless cycle of, like, well, nothing's perfect, so nothing's good, so actually everything's bad. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. it just spirals I mean, into, yeah, like, I mean, that, just, that's where like, you have remember to... you enjoyed things, I think. Sure, and I, I have to sure, tell myself right. this a lot. Like, remember it was fun to read this. Um, even if it's not right the second, or even if you're calling out the reasons it's not good, you know? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I actually don't have a problem with, like, there are there are works that I think are perfect. Um, there are, com- especially movies. Like, I have a bunch of movies that I have in, in my, like, mind that I consider kind of, like, perfect films. Because I think, like, it sets out to do exactly what I think what there are perfect experiences. Do. I don't think there are perfect films. Uh, I mean, I, in his, I mean, I guess what I mean by that definition is generally, like, what it's trying to do it just does perfectly and there are like no flaws to it like it's just a perfectly running machine um well name name one the matrix i think i think the matrix haven't about, seen it so didn't get me to see it so i see i see a flaw you haven't seen I see the a matrix? flaw in that system i that don't true? think i've actually seen That's all of the matrix wild. like i don't think i've ever sat down and watched the whole Matrix. You know what? Actually, I saw the <laughs> Matrix like, for like probably the fifteenth time in theaters. Yeah, uh, like six months ago, something like that. And uh, and I actually went from being like this is a perfect film to oh, there's like there's one big problem in this movie. Yeah. So maybe it's not a perfect film. But uh, anyway, this isn't a Matrix podcast. Let's let's move on. My Dan marvelous Brooks. Matrix, though, I'm I'm excited God. about because I, I really will geek. I will sit down. Hey, if we hit a uh, a Patreon.com/slash My Marvelous Year goal. Uh, in the future, I will sit down and watch the whole Matrix all, with all of okay. you, with everyone here, and I will stream my thoughts. How about that? You have to watch my marvelous all three, matrices, including the Animatrix between the first one and the second one. I have not seen. I've definitely not seen the second and third one. Well, that's for sure. Why would you have? God, if you t- confessed to me you saw like the third <laughs> Matrix without seeing the first two, <laughs> I would, my head would explode. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So Dan writes, hi, Dave and Zach. By the mid 80s, we've gone from hysteria over mutants as a fringe thing in something like God Loves, Man Kills to full mainstream where nearly every issue of X-Men, New Mutants, X-Factor seems to feature a lynch mob. Although I think that general fear of mutants can create complex dynamics that are interesting for storytelling. For example, X-Men 200, when it's omnipresent and can also make these comics rough to read. X-Factor. What is your level of appreciation for mutants versus humanity storylines as opposed to mutants versus supervillains or cosmic threats? I would have told you I preferred the former, but after reading much of 1986, I'm beginning to mm. reconsider. As always, thanks for the podcast, Dan. That's a really interesting question. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I think that's, yeah, that's, thanks, Dan, for the question there. Um, you know, it is, the temptation is definitely to say the former. Uh, the temptation is definitely to say the real story of, of the X-Men and what makes them interesting is mutants versus humanity and the the extended mutant metaphor of the oppressed minority, right? Trying to trying to fight for and save the people that fear and hate them. Mm-hmm. I think is that that's a, a super compelling part of X Men. It's obviously a huge part of what's going on in contemporary X Men. If you're reading that, um, and I, yeah, like 1986. So that's that is the episode that's coming up. 1986 Part Three. We're going to talk about the mutant massacre mm-hmm. event. Um, and that's that's obviously a huge part of this is the the fear and hatred of mutant kind. I think one of the biggest challenges in terms of calling that like what you prefer is 
it's super dark, hard reading, right? It's difficult reading um, because the types of examples that come out of that are are like violence and bigotry against, again, this extended metaphor of an oppressed minority, right? So it's there's nothing about it that is entertainment in the way that we often turn to comics for, right? So as if they're fighting the big supervillain Magneto, or, or a better example would be like, you know, the Phoenix Saga, right? Which I, I think is probably we, we can definitely align on is just like a very well-constructed story as a whole. That type of story is more appealing on an entertainment level, definitely, uh, for anyone in Marvel. I don't know that that's specific to the X-Men. What, what do you think? Um, so I don't have that. I, I don't know. Like you, you see, you talk about this a fair amount of like, it's not entertaining. And I'm like, I don't know. Like X-Men comics are usually pretty fun if they're working, whether or not it's about like the drama. I mean, it, it's all melodrama, right? It's hard for me to take, like the X-Men doesn't get usually like too roped into like, this is a tough read. Like it's not mouse to me, you know, it's not like, it's still so disconnected in the superhero world that like, I don't have this kind of feeling of like. Well, this is heavy, I don't. I don't think anything stuff. in Marvel or DC is mouse. <laughs> right. It's not. I don't think it's really capable. I think yeah. that is also why the human stuff gets boring to me. Um, the like human discrimination stuff gets boring to me because I think a lot of times. It, I mean, I think Claremont is out of things to talk about, and he doesn't have enough no, perspective. No, I don't. I don't want to do the Claremont thing. Talk, talk about it big picture. Because I, I no, no. I'm, I'm just saying because that's who we're reading right now. I think, like, I can generalize this to Marvel, but I think that, like, Claremont does not have a particularly new angle on human discrimination against mutants. So that's why it just feels a little tired to me when he's, like, repeating that, because I don't think he's, like, integrating new perspective. It's not showing anything new. It doesn't feel like it's becoming any more well-observed. You know, like, the, the analogy or the metaphor is not getting stronger for me. And I don't think, it, like, it was bad. I don't think he's, like, been totally weak at it. I just don't think he has, like you know, dwelled on this thematically to, to be able to, like, flesh out this this metaphor. I mean, you know, it's, it's the, a thing the, that grows throughout his it. run on X-Men. Yeah, you know, I, it is yeah, the I mean, actual... Because we're going to see some examples coming in future years yeah. of, of the way this manifests now in more specific, like, new ideas, I guess, yeah. as you're describing. Because right now, everything from 75 to 86 is, like, quote-unquote, like, lynch mobs. Right, like that's kind of the level of of hatred that we see, yeah. with the exception of God Loves Man Kills, where that idea is then integrated with evangelical Christianity. Yeah. I, I think God Loves Man Kills is about the like height of him discussing this. And, okay, if you want me to go more general with it, and I'm not saying Chris Claremont is out of ideas, right? Like he just introduced was it Phalanx, who I think is cool. Like I'm Phalanx. interested. What's his name? Am I confusing? What's the robot guy? The robot hunter? <laughs> Warlock. <laughs> no, no, not Warlock. The the Hunter, the Terminator guy. The Hunter Terminator? In 86? Yeah, 85, I think, maybe. He's, like, in modern... Oh, Nimrod. You're going Nimrod, Nimrod, thank you. Who's Phalanx? Where did I get Phalanx from? Phalanx is another... That's a different thing. We'll get there. Yeah. Okay, I don't know where I got that name from. Um. Well, for Max, man. You're, no, you're I think not, Chris Claremont is right still, camp. like... Whether or not I like the comics, I think he's still, like, coming up with new interesting concepts, at least, even if I don't think they work. Like, Mojo interesting cool design um lady deathstrike we just read that i really like that uh no okay so generally more marvel i think i think just the metaphor of the humans versus mutants gets tired for me because i don't think because it's marvel and they want to 
produce something entertaining. I don't think they have, like, much new to say about it, right? It's just kind of like, this is a human bigot who hates mutants, and I don't think they're discussing it in any new ways. They're not, you know, yeah, but you're, any new I, I think you're ruling out the possibility that a creator could, which yeah, frequently oh, sure. happens, right? So, yeah, like, yeah, lots yeah. of creators do do different things with that. And I mean, I think Hick- that is Hickman where is right now, is. right, with Dawn of X. Like, yeah, Hickman is absolutely. It's specifically by retooling the relationship of mutants to humans rather than vice versa, right? So, like, I mean, no, so, of course, uh, there can be, there can be, I'm sure there will be stories where I'm like, oh, great, like, this is a new interesting insight into this, right? And they're going to start folding in the LGBT metaphor, which will be new, you know? Like that which arguably be... already has very very yeah. subtly. No, I, I very, think you're right. Very, yeah. very quietly, right, because of yep. the editorial policies. I mean, I think, like, the question is is very interesting because on a very specific, like, hey, which issue do you want to read right this second level? You know, it's kind of easier to just be like, eh, probably something super villain or cosmic. That sounds fun. But on a why do I care about X-Men level, it's definitely the Mutants vs. Humanity storylines. So, like, I just published on the Crack and Krakoa series I do on YouTube for Comic Herald, um, I asked the question, are the X-Men the villains now in the, the Hickman era, the Dawn of X stuff? And I won't spoil anything about why. But okay, they are, if yeah. If you're not reading that. Yeah. Um, and it's, the answer is, it is yes. I, whatever your facetious answer is, it <laughs> is kind of besides the point because literally whatever you could say, somebody else is saying now, dead serious. Dead mm-hmm. serious. <laughs> it's the most engaged with, most commented on thing I've ever done, um, yeah. period. It has like 500 comments. Most of them are like 6,000 words. Like people have so many <laughs> thoughts amazing. and a, with no with no punctuation, mind you. Um, but it's like people have so many extended thoughts, and it says so much about how you view the world, how you view minorities, oftentimes, how you view privilege and class, and all of these things. Or it can say so much, right? And sure. that is what X Men and how they fit into humanity taps into in a way that is deeply, deeply compelling. And to some people, very frustrating, very angering, depending on the the way it's presented. And to some people, you know, not going far enough, right? And it's all these different things. It gets done at different levels throughout X-Men history. It's, I mean, rarely, not rarely, but, you know, there are various times where, like, that's not the point of the X-Men comics that are being told for for years, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like Age of Apocalypse is not a <laughs> an X-Men versus uh, humanity story, really. Yeah. You know, it's a apocalypse and the X-Men alternate reality, and it's super fun, and I can't wait till we get there. But um, anyway, long story short, like, yeah, that that idea is what I think keeps the X-Men so, so separate and, and engaging in a way that, like, the Avengers are not. Because the Avengers, they just do supervillains and cosmic threats. Sure. Well, I mean, the Avengers don't have a core conceit for a while, right? I think, like, No, they're probably... the big heroes. I mean, that's right. it. Right, until, the until they start team. becoming, like, the CIA, the world's policemen... And that starts, like, the geopolitics of that stuff start leaking in. I think, like, there's no core idea except there are a bunch of heroes. Yeah. And there are people who may or may not get along. <laughs> like, right. in- internally. And the team, you know? the team will always be a different set of people every five years, probably. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't have, like, I guess I don't have a specific preference. Like, as, as with all things with the comics, I'm just interested if the story is good and doing something, you know, something new, something I haven't seen before. Well, I think um, really, I think really we want it to do both. You know, yes, really we yeah. want it to integrate those big, heady, heady? Heady, yeah. Heady ideas um, with uh, with the fun stuff, with the with the part that makes the cosmic yeah. comics so, you know, absurd and ridiculous and over the top and, and engaging. So, yep. uh, ultimately that's what we're looking for. 
Um, all right. I closed the Slack thread with the questions, but I got a couple quick ones here. I've got one. I remember one that I saw earlier, which was, uh, do you have any tips for going bald? Do you have any tips Are for you hair loss? Bald, now, how, how do you feel about your hairline? Oh, I've been going bald since I was, since I was born. Um, okay. my dad fiercely bald, my mom's dad, very bald. I've been told. Uh, so that those are the two, I think, genetic links that people describe um, that that signify that you're going to go bald. So I've always known. I've always known I was heading this direction, right? Um, it's very polite of you to ask. Very polite of you to pretend. You can't see the recession. The recession yeah. of the hair. Whereas you have a proceeding hairline, right? Many yeah. men, as they get older, I, I would say you're not a real big boy until you have a receding hairline. And I think yours is proceeding. It's actually, no, it's mine, actually mine's growing. receding. Mine's receding slowly the last couple of years. <laughs> My mother actually the other day was just like, you know that long hair? I don't think it's it looks good on you. Like it actually just makes you like it, it really highlights that your hair is receding. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true because it's pulled back. I used to always have bangs. So Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you gotta what I would say with tips as you enter this new era with us, Zach, mm-hmm. and as many I obviously this is, I suppose, generally a more male. Uh, focused conversation. Um, I would say don't fight it. Don't fight it too hard, right? That's the biggest thing you can do is don't try to counteract unless you have like literal like medicine or something that you're going to try, which I, here's the thing, like zero judgment on how you want to present yourself in your life. Do you, um, with the exception of, I will say if I can, if I can come in a little hot here, uh, if you're already really bald, don't Mm -hmm. go back. Because there are billboards all over the Chicagoland area of Brian Urlacher, Bears linebacker, famously bald for a number of years on the Chicago Bears. There are billboards all over the highways of him with this goofy-looking hair, okay? And they're promos for, like, a hair restoration program. It's just sad. It's just pitiful, man. Like, he was so unhappy for so many years, and he was with being bald— and obviously, like, which, like, if that's, like, really the case, like, you know what, dude, you were like, like, I don't really care. But at the same time, it's like, dude, just own it. You were, like, the coolest Bears linebacker. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that you lost your hair. It happens, Literally, man. no one knows who you're talking about. Sports, get out of here. Brian Erlacher? If you don't know Brian Erlacher, get oh, someone, out of Someone get in out the, of uh, the Twitch chat. actually knows about the specific billboards you're talking about. So I'm yeah. proven incorrect. So uh, just going to register uh, Zach is an Urlacher uh, dummy right here. Yeah, okay. Fine. All right. Mormagill Hang asks, on. Let me also got to do dummy thick. One C, two Cs. Okay. Got him. Mormagill asks, I feel like there's a lack of comedy series and comics. Do either of you have a series to recommend that's funny? We talked about this in brief, but I don't think we did any recommendations. Uh, do you have any comedy comic recommendations? Like, so ongoing money shot from vault comics oh, is a that. very funny really yeah. sex book <laughs> mm-hmm. um which i say only half ironically i, I mean, like that one a lot yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um that's a good comedy book uh comedy books through history so like the best marvel comedy books the best one is one that i'm not going to talk about for reasons um the next like superior foes of spider-man is kind of a comedy book i really like that comic what are you talking um, about? You won't talk about for reason? Yeah, it was what was unclear. Well, why did you even say that it... it okay, I don't know Because it's the most about. obvious one that comes to mind. It's the one that everyone's thinking of, you know, that people that know comics, it's the one everybody's thinking of. Um, but I'm not going to talk about it. So, Howard the Duck? <laughs> Howard, you just can't call Howard a comedy book. I mean, I don't think it's funny, but... You can like, call it satire. Funniest Marvel comics. I don't know what It would be fascinating to meet someone 
in the year of our Lord 2020 who reads Howard the Duck and just guffaws. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And just loses their mind with laughter. Miss Marvel? Miss um, Marvel? The unbeatable what? squirrel girl? Unbeatable Not- squirrel girl is in many ways sort of that lighthearted comedy uh, vibe i think that's fair like, i think miss marvel's not but ant-man not mentioning is that what's happening oh my gosh yes yes oh okay all right well don't even talk about it that god i didn't fault. i tried not to and you keep coming back to it i don't know. i said not gonna talk about it very quickly and then you said come back <gasps> oh, and talk about oh, it more, okay. and more and more and more Okay, it's a Warren Ellis thing. All right. Let us right. move on, Zachary. Um, so, yeah, it, it, but what are just some good... Man, I this mean, is just, a good question. I wish I had prepared for this. All right, I got, I got some answers. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, Chew. I think, yeah, Chew's very funny. I think um, Preacher can be really funny, <laughs> but it's not I a comedy book. I would not call book. that a comedy book, no. No, but there's some really, like, good... I mean, there's some I really mean, certainly books with that. humorous moments are yeah, better. Yeah, that, that's the thing is, like... <laughs> so, I think American comics really don't do comedy much like, like I think one punch man is hilarious right manga it's all yeah. over the place manga like in J- japan and i wish this would like translate to america because uh there's there's actually put a pin in this thought of like the way that the japanese handle comics in the way that i wish americans would emulate them because so comedy is one of them because like one I, I think part of it is that they don't like let their uh like Marvel and DC don't let the comedy be as blatant and i guess they're starting to with stuff like unbeatable squirrel girl but like one piece and I keep talking about One Piece, but it's so funny. Like, that comic is so funny while also not being a straight-up comedy book. Like, it's an action-adventure shonen manga. Yeah. But that that book is so funny. Um, I mean, like, Deadpool or modern Harley Quinn. Right, that's are, the stuff where they're starting to lean into, like... Books. Right, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're getting stuff like DC's doing now. Oh, one of the funniest things I've read is DC, Tom King writing a Batman-Elmer Fudd crossover. And they did a whole bunch of Looney Tunes ones. Excellent, um, yes. That one's really funny. Excellent. Um... But other manga, uh, it's called um, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, which is a really, really funny Japanese manga about, like, two high schoolers who have crushes on each other, but neither of them wants to admit it. And they both, it is this, like, head game, super serious, like, drama framed like that where they're trying to get each other to admit that they like each other. And it's very cute and very funny. Um, What else? Yeah, One Punch Man, Mob Psycho 100, like, other funny manga. I mean, American stuff, I'm thinking, like... Nancy, the weekly comics or the daily comic strip in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. That comic's yeah. hilarious. Like consistent. I I just picked up a newspaper this weekend for the first time, and like I was reading through the Sunday comics, and I was like, God, this is dire. Like most of these aren't even jokes. They I wish even... Nancy was in my my Sunday comics. I would stop just immediately recycling uh, the section. You know, I've got so I've got two so actually funny, very though. good picks. I yeah. think number one, you're gonna love this. You're gonna agree. Four kids walk into a bank. Ooh, very uh, funny. Yep. Straight up one of the funniest books I've ever read. It is super good. Love it. And uh, the second one is available on Webtoons, which mm-hmm. is a free app. And it's like ongoing technically. It's called Toaster Dude. And it is about a guy who just really wants to get his toaster fixed. And it's definitely that manga anime influence. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very funny. I enjoy the heck out of it. Everything it is played super straight. Uh, Webtoons as a whole is a thing we should probably be talking about more because it's enormous and insanely Uh, popular and it's super interesting to read. Webcomics are one of those things that I feel like we could just do an entire podcast about just diving into webcomics. Well, it's not. I guess it's I guess it is to what 2000s webcomics. I guess it is that for today. Right. Where it's just all on your phone. Um, And but just like even just the way you scroll, like the way some of them integrate music into 
like musical cues into when you're scrolling on your phone. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, so All right, anyway, here's, here's two comics that I think are like ugh, so funny. One of them's called The Tremendous Trump, and it's like a it's making fun of the Hulk, but it's Trump instead. The other one's called The Unquotable Trump, and it's just like. Pfft, so funny so cutting and it's just like that guy that guy sucks and like these comics they really take the piss out of him hey so i just muted you for the last 15 <laughs> seconds are you uh are you good to move on to the next topic i, I love i love those comics and they always just sell incredibly well and people are just like <laughs> i'm doing politics i got him <laughs> um they, i felt like i had one oh oh dc early dc comics really funny like gold oh, Golden Age, I guess, in the 50s. I don't know if that's quite Silver Age for them. Golden Age Wonder but, like, Woman is uh, is unintentionally very funny. Yeah, that's unintentionally funny. But um, uh, Lois Lane, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, legit really funny. The comic's very charming and very funny. And uh, Intentionally and in... so, you would yeah, say? Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. comedy book. Like, it's, it's straight-up comedy, and it's not trying to tell any kind of dramatic stories, and it's just funny situations, and it's really good. Um, okay. that, that was one of my, like, when I was, you know writing up my dc universe eventual stuff that uh that was one of the like little hidden gems i found do you hear the news about dc universe oh uh is it dying? it's all I... very bad <laughs> it's all i don't, I don't actually very, know very I, bad i know they're you know the chances of a my dc year uh this stock in my <laughs> dc year zach <laughs> is plummeting it is not bye 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 so fine bye bye it's it's never, a, it's listen you cheaper. can get it all <laughs> i will sell it all to you right now including my stake uh, as a founder of my DC year. Yeah, it's not looking good for DC. Obviously, if you follow comics news at all, um, they experienced massive layoffs, and we're joking about it, but that sucks um, yeah. tremendously for a lot of people. Uh, the side effect of that is they've, they've, they being like AT&T and Warner's merged corporations or whatever, um, they also laid off the entire DC Universe staff. So I don't think... I haven't seen anything actually official official about canceling the DC Universe as a comic subscription app but boy does that point to uh, a a not very long future yeah. for this service which is crazy to me like yeah, we'll see i mean mind-boggling I'm, but we'll see I'm what not happens gonna get too worked up about it till it actually happens because i mean they're, they're happens, putting, yeah. putting a lot of work into like scanning in comics and filling you have the library. you have the infrastructure literally right. if you never update it again you would still have like a product with some value so yeah. the idea of straight up deleting it to me is is very weird yeah, so we'll see. Um, I mean, they've been offering yeah. me, because I have DC Universe, they've been offering me, which I should take them up, because I also subscribe to HBO Max. Yeah. But they, like, they've been telling me, like, hey, since you have DC Universe, you can get HBO Max for half off. And that's like, yeah, this is, this that's, is weird. that's what I thought they would do. I thought it would be a bundle deal. Yeah. Um, all right. Do I have any more questions? Oh, yeah. One from Charlotte here. Last one. Um, sorry. Scroll up to this. She writes, hey, Dak and Zave. I didn't even notice that she did that initially. <laughs> Oh, I forgot Sex Criminals, too. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good funny books. I'm sorry. Go ahead, funny. Charlotte. Comics, not that funny. Uh, Jean Grey's recent... Res- re- oh, boy. Jean Grey's recent resurrections, probably one of the first major resurrections in the Marvel Universe, starting a trend that's going to define comics in the following decades. First of all, do you think Jean should have stayed dead? Dave? Mm. Yes or no? Yes or no? Now. Yeah. I say Yeah. I say I d- no because I, I think I she's more so. interesting alive than dead. Because like she is, she is. We getting we're getting good pathos out of Scott Summers because of that. No. Well, Boring. if she doesn't come back though, yeah, and that precedent doesn't just take off and become a uh, a gag, you know, like <laughs> that. Ver- so if she it, here is here's the thing: if her not coming back means there won't be a revolving door on death in the Marvel uh, universe, yeah, yeah then yeah. yes. 
then yes, because then the Marvel Universe is about at least slow progression. And losing characters means losing characters, and we get to see new ones come into the picture and and take their place. Um, But if it's literally just about Jean Grey and it's not going to change any of that, then yeah, I want Jean Grey around. She's an awesome character. I'm glad to have her. Who's like the one who stayed dead? It's Gwen Stacy, right? Like... The ones that stay dead are Uncle Ben, Gwen Stacy, and for uh, one that I, is it? It's not a spoiler now with the MCU. Uh, Bucky for a long time. Yeah, Bucky was always the like. Bucky and Jason Todd were the like. Ah, you don't bring them back. They're well, Jason dead, dead. Todd, <laughs> Jason Todd's a clean forty plus years after Bucky. Yeah. So the, the oh yeah yeah timing on that is way way different. Um, um, you know who actually stayed dead for a really long time. Uh, and this is a DC spoiler, so I guess mute your show for 15 seconds if you want. Uh, Barry Allen, The Flash. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, didn't... I mean, yeah, I guess... What would the Green Lantern guy, too, right? Can't the remember. Green Lantern guy. Guy Gardner? Oh, Hal Jordan. <laughs> he, Hal he's Jordan. The, the most guy Green Lantern. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's true. Hal um, stays dead for approximately a decade, maybe? But he's, I'd like, around as, like, a different guy. He's, like, a spooky... A spooky uh, ghoul. I think his name is called the Ghoul. You know, we should still do my DC year, but just with you not having read the comics. Yeah, I'll just and then you can describe you describing them this way is very, very uh, improved. Yeah, Guy Gardner (laughs) is a man called the Ghoul, and he's he's the 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 God's only angel. Zach's (laughs) secret history of the DC universe. All right, Uh, yeah. So so yeah, I I like Jean Grey a lot, but I think the general idea that this kicked off, and we probably talked about this on the episode, yeah, is a net negative for Marvel, and it's a thing that yeah, like now in comics, you know, over the last couple years, it's a thing that creators are like, yeah, this is dumb. Here's how we're going to work around this. People in the the uh, the Twitch channel are telling me that it's actually Spectre. No, I know it's Spectre. I know his name's not the Ghoul. Well, there is. There's a I creeper. I guess not a ghoul. Yeah. No, I I know. I mean, there's like a 1985 series called The Spectre that was pre Hal Jordan. Like I know. I know 1985. Yeah. You read a 1985 Spectre? I've never heard of that. It's um, it there's just a 90s getting series added. The only reason I know Ostrander. about it is because it's just getting added to DC Universe. It's like something every week they add a new issue. Read it quick. It's called The Spectre. <laughs> yeah. Charlotte continues. Furthermore, do you think the fact that no one's death seems to be permanent in modern superhero comics is a detriment to your reading experience? I think you already answered that. Yeah, right. Uh, I guess I haven't read that enough, but I'd say probably yes, but I haven't seen it happen, so... Uh, in my opinion, it's just a natural consequence of having an ever-evolving universe spanning over many decades, and that trend would have started whether or not Jean had been resurrected. Same thing goes for the death and then return of Superman, which happened a few years later, if I remember correctly. To me, as for many such things, it is about execution. If Immortal Hulk and Hoxpox have proven everything in recent years, it's that you can great- write great comics while acknowledging that your characters can't really die. Still to be with you, Charlotte Fierro. Yeah, awesome yeah, question, right. Charlotte. I, mean, I, I would say just like big picture class, uh, take notes on the way Charlotte asks questions and, uh, oh, yeah. and do I, similar we, things we were, because they We didn't have awesome. enough questions, and I was like, I actually tagged her and was like, Charlotte, we need you. We need you come in here writing a banger of a question, <laughs> and she did it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's a good question. I, I do think, too, like the way death has been handled in superhero comics, and this isn't just Marvel's fault. Like, Death of Superman is a big, big mm-hmm. <laughs> contributor to this revolving door idea but the way it's become now is like it's not about the beat of a character dying it's about the story you're going to tell around yeah. that um so how are you going to make that interesting and that's the challenge that creators face and as long as you're in that mindset of like oh okay are they doing this in an interesting way it can still be uh intriguing I would yeah say. I, I mean this is not a big spoiler for hawksbox 
what's happening <laughs> Dude, there. We can't leave that in the episode. I don't. I don't think that's an explicit. We thing. should not be streaming this, and you need to take that out of the episode. That's All a right, huge well, spoiler. Fine. No, I'm not gonna. It's fine. I, You're uh, not gonna. I'm no, not seriously I'm not take the, seriously that should not be in the episode. That's a all huge right, spoiler. All right, all right, all right, all right. I I don't know it's if I knew that ahead. Of, I mean, we already know that like heroes just get resurrected and they just kind of, like she said they just kind of undo with the artifice of like oh it's got to be some big complicated like we got to wring our hands to find out how they come back and there's still like great drama in that comic from uh, whatever you say, Stephanie Brown, aka spoiler. Oh, that's pretty good. It's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. Like Stephanie Brown. Is that? Okay. All right, that's all the questions. Do you have any uh, heroes and villains? Because I got one this time. I didn't... Oh, all right. You go first, because yeah. I want to make sure I'm not doing the same person. We didn't coordinate on this. Well, let me, uh, let me like, confirm with you that it's that it's good to do. Um, what <laughs> is... If you had to describe Overwhelm, mm-hmm. uh, how would you describe Overwhelm? Well, first, his name's Aaron. Uh-huh. And... Uh-huh. Um, he is, let me see, his power is that he can amplify other people's emotions. He's, uh, yeah, 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 his, uh, his powers are that he, uh, he can just amp up people's emotions, like, in a negative way, right? So if someone feels jealous, he can, like, crank that up to a degree where it becomes, like, you know, hatred okay. instead of a low okay. level. Okay, I'll, I'll do him. Okay. Um, all right. So this is Aaron. Uh, he is overwhelmed. He can amp up people's emotions now i I think last we talked about you know he is villainous right so he amplifies Mm -hmm. people's emotions and he uses that to um influence them for negative ends and he is the arch nemesis to the reflector who has a similar power as zach described in their epic origin which i'm sure all of you remember um they are kind of you know inextricably entwined but aaron the villain uh as overwhelm he has been he's kind of stuck Right, he's kind of stuck in his ways because his villainous schemes are not super successful. If we're being honest, right? Like he's he's influencing emotions and he's he can get what he wants in the short term, um, but his powers aren't as widespread as he'd like them to be. So he's kind of not getting super far with what he's trying to do. You know, he's he's got some nice coats, he got some like really really fuzzy pillows out of the deal, um, but that's kind of the best of what he's gained so far. Would you would you agree or disagree, Zach? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. he he did uh, cause who heaven hero to turn bad again and kill a bunch of people. That was pretty bad. Yeah, I mean that's pretty villainous, right? I yeah. think we I think we can all agree. Um, pushing heaven hero, but even stuff like act. that, he's he's kind of like, why am I doing this? You know, he's kind of like, what is the mm-hmm. point of this? Like, I need to be thinking on a bigger level. So he's researching online, right? And he's he's doing his <laughs> his searches. He's not he's doing Duck Duck Go because you know he's he's worried about privacy. So he's searching via Duck Ask Duck Go. Jeeves, Jeeves, how do I be good? Yeah, and he's like, no, he's like, how do I be a good villain, right? He's mm. trying to figure out, like, how do you actually learn how to Live be a good villain? Life, and he's yeah. he's searching for all these things, and, like, he's not, you know, he's finding answers and people writing essays, but it's like, who are these guys, right? Like, what do they know? And, uh, and but then as he's going about, you know, a few weeks, he keeps getting this ad popping up, and it says, hey, are you looking to become an ultimate villain? Uh, check out lololacrozzi.com. Okay, mm-hmm. and he he keeps seeing this ad, and he's like, nobody clicks on ads. What's the point? But then after like two weeks, after like a few drinks, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he clicks the ad, and he's like, all right, whatever. I'll check this weird thing out. And when he clicks it, it takes him to a site. But then quickly, like all these lights start flashing, and he wakes up. Uh, of like he doesn't know how much later, and he appears to be inside, like uh, what looks like what he imagines inside a machine looks like. 
okay? So it's very Tron-esque, right? There's all these like flashing motorways and all these crazy electrons flying about. And Aaron is like, what What the heck just happened? And he's walking around in here and he goes on this journey. He has all sorts of amazing battles. His, his hand-to-hand combat skills are quite good. And he gets to like the when center. when Ant-Man went inside a vision? Uh... Well, yeah, yeah, right. No, he's like he's fighting all these. Yeah, you could call him antibody, sure. And he gets to the center of this maze. It's kind of labyrinthy, and in the center of it is a book. And on the front of the book, it says the source code supreme. And he said, "What? What the heck is this?" And he he looks into it, and it says, "Do not touch." Right all around. So of course he's going to grab it. He opens it up, and he starts reading. And he he just can't stop. He's reading, he's reading, he's reading. He's reading so fast. And then all of a sudden, he's back in his chair. He's in front of his computer. The internet browser closes down. And he realizes, he looks at the clock. It's only been like two minutes. And he probably just got hypnotized or something by this website. But then when he brings his internet browser back up, he realizes he can code anything. He can hack into basically anything now. He has the power and the knowledge of the source code supreme, which coupled with his own emotional uh, influencing abilities means he can reach anyone anywhere on the world so long as they're on the internet. So I'm not going to tell you what he does next. That'll come in the next update. But Aaron Overwhelm suddenly has incredible access to basically anyone online as the new source code supreme uh, with his emotional manipulation abilities. Well, you can't really, you know, like manipulate people on the internet. So I don't know what you're thinking. You can't really use that for bad. Um, There's no way to like you know, get people to... There's no way to, like, absolutely break people's brains to just have them believe the most wild things just through the internet and from, you know, like, memes that your uh, grandmother, like, threw together in MS Paint. So, I don't don't know what you're talking about. This is unrealistic. Well, it's going to be up to you to tell that unrealistic story (laughs) for the next update. I don't know. I said your grandmother. Grandmas are not usually making memes. I just meant poorly made memes. I know? gotta tell you, I would be very interested in grandmas making memes. I, who are those grandmas? How cool are they? What kind of memes are they making? Mm, very racist. Very racist memes, I'm gonna guess. Um, Alright, I got one update here, and it's four. Not one. Not two. Not three. But four different Slack members. <laughs> and it's sponsored by a fifth Slack member. So this Dang. one's sponsored by Aaron. Aaron Killingsworth, a.k.a. The guy I just did? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Put, put some money in to give somebody in the Slack a new character. I didn't even know that when person. I picked you, Aaron. Just FYI. No. We're not starting with that one. We're starting. I forgot who I'm starting with. Oh, right. We're starting with uh, uh, Peter Parsons, a.k.a. the Colossal Chick Man. He's yeah. sitting at his favorite fried chicken joint right downtown. Actually, it's not downtown. It's on some, like, awful strip of, uh, you know, a bunch of, uh, what, what do they call that? What's the word for that? We're just, like, a strip of, you know, the suburbs, and it's just, like, fast food places, but it's not in the middle of a city. I don't know. Anyway, he's at he's sitting outside, you know, because that's where you got to eat at your restaurants now. He's sitting outside his faster strip, yeah, kind of a strip mall area. Um, do you guys have dining, favorite. do you have dine-in open around you? Yes, I have not yeah, done we, it. I, I saw a place blowing it. up yesterday, and it blew my mind. Yep, because pretty, if pretty I'm gonna get if I'm gonna get a terrible pandemic disease, I want it to be eating real bad pasta. <laughs> that's that's how I want it to happen. But anyway, yeah, you know that how I'm not the point. Yeah, I'm gonna wait until August 28th, the release date for Fox's The New Mutants. <laughs> yeah, 
That is... Just a second, let me check here. 11 days after this episode comes out. If you're listening to this on release day, New Mutants is coming out in 11 days. Yeah. We're all, we're all rushing to the theaters to see it. Let's crowd into the theaters to see everyone's most anticipated movie, The New Mutants. Well, and I did say, I, I started seeing a lot of the doctors online who are tracking the virus saying things like, the most it's important worse. thing now is that we can <laughs> that we can know exactly what day the second wave takes off in earnest. Uh-huh. Um, because, it, so what we're going to do, and this is all a government plot, right? It's all a conspiracy. We're going to release New Mutants because we want to make sure we know when everyone went to see that movie, right? So they'll know the release yeah. date. They'll know everyone went and saw New Mutants. And and then they'll be like, okay, cool. We have the data. We know, you know this is when things got even worse. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I uh, on Twitter, you know, Doctor Oz, right? Me gotta, and the Oz, we go way back, Zach. All right, we, uh, <laughs> we, he, we have I a long he got history. A, he got an early screener of the New Mutants, so I saw no. him tweeting out. Yeah, I saw him tweeting out an early review. Yeah. His review was, "It's worth the cough, folks." Worth the cough. That is a that's a really positive yeah. review. Um, I, I saw uh, Doctor Fauci. Dr. Fauci just said, um, you know, you'll be moonstruck at Moonstar, hashtag <laughs> virus wave two. It was All pretty, right. it was pretty rave. Yeah. We have to stop this. All right. So Peter Parsons, the colossal chick man, he's just in his, you know, civilian identity. He's eating at his favorite fast food joint, Clucky's. I don't know if that's a real thing. Is that from, did they pull that from Clerks? Is that a Clerks joke? Never seen Clerks and I'm hmm. good It might be from Clerks that. too. I'm not sure, but I'm going to roll with it. Um. He's eating his favorite fast food place, Clucky's. He's sitting there, enjoying the sunshine. And uh, across the street, all of a sudden, he hears the alarm bells go off from the bank across the street. Here's the alarm go off, and he sees the door burst open. And who comes flying out? Big, dark cape made of bird bones, but Gravian, a.k.a. Braylon, surrounded by a bunch of undead birds. Peter Parsons pulls on his colossal chick man outfit. He goes... Gets ready to fight. Stop graving in the street. They start brawling in the street. Fists are flying. Undead birds are flocking all around him. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah. When you start to think about it, yeah. She notices, oh, what's right across the street? It's Clucky's. What's that dumpster full of? Bird bones. She oh, creates no. out of the dumpster. She summons forth an, an enormous chicken made of chicken bones. Thousands ah. of chicken bones. You know how every chicken, every... <laughs> Fast food joint is just full of chicken bones. Well, it's, I mean, I don't usually go through the garden. Sometimes you like to do a little dumpster diving, you know, see what yep. you can find. Right? I used to get work some, at a KFC, and we had three dumpsters. One for general trash, one for the old oil that you dump. Yeah. You, you have to dispose of that separately to be responsible. Right. Which is for actually sure. disgusting. There's literally a dumpster that you just dump the oil into, and it's just an entire full-size dumpster, and you have to, yeah, anyway. And then a third, bo- a third dumpster is just for chicken bones. Anyway, she summons... An enormous, like, 10-foot-tall chicken bone homunculus to attack him. And uh, Peter, colossal chicken. Well, hang on. Does it look like a chicken, or does it just look like a a glob of bone? No, it looks kind of like a parade float-sized chicken made out of chicken bones. Yeah. He he can't keep up. It's, you know, it's pecking him left and right. It's taking chunks out of him. He's he's fading fast. All of a sudden, what does he hear? Clop, 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 clop. Horse hooves. Horse clopping. Horse clopping. <laughs> Here's the yep. clop, clop, clop of uh, of hooves. He gets snatched up, pulled onto the onto horseback. Who is it? Uh-huh. It's Stephen Taylor, aka the naysayer. Pulls him right onto on. the back of a horse, rushes him away from the scene, and he's going down the street. He's he's in and out of consciousness. He yeah. passes out. He wakes up. They're out of the city. Hopefully not in an elevator. 
Loving an elevator, ah. loving it up when I'm going down. God, such you know a, that one? Yeah, Aerosmith's finest hour. Um, <laughs> so ridiculous. He wakes up. He's out of the city. Oh, it's a dirt road. It's in the middle of nowhere. Stars are shining. He hasn't seen the stars in forever. He hears crickets chirping, peepers, peepers peeping, peepers peeping. And he's like, Ugh, cluckers clucking. Naysayer, aren't you? Aren't you a villain? Why'd you save me? And Naysayer's like, Well, if you think about it. It's never really made sense that I'm a villain. I only save horses. I don't really know why I got labeled as such from the beginning. <laughs> if you think about it, my creator's really messed up, man. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Steven. I know decisions. you wanted a villain, but for whatever reason, we just gave you a hero. He's um, turned a new uh, a new hoof. Yeah, I think it. <laughs> I think it's too late for that. Yeah, yeah, it's horseshoe theory. Um, he <laughs> <laughs> colossal chick man. You know, he sits up. He's like, "Where are we going?" And the naysayers like, "Just, just, I'm taking you somewhere." I want you to meet a man, and uh, and he finds there's a big barn at the end of this dirt road. There's a, there's a house, you know, with some lights on, and there's a barn, and he's like, he ties his horse up, they get off the horse, they go into the barn. Well, they get off, then they get off the horse. <laughs> I was like, I thought of that. Well, I actually said they get off the horse, and I was like, well, there's no joke to make there, because... No, don't be gross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they get off of the horse, they step into the barn, sitting in the middle of the barn, in the shadows, there's a man sitting in a wheelchair, he wheels forward into the light, and it's, uh, it's a man in, like, red plaid, flannel shirt, overalls, Mm -hmm. he reaches over, gets his pitchfork, stamps it in the ground, and he says, thanks for coming, I'm Farmer John, and, uh, I've been thinking about putting together a team, he goes, the the two of you, we've got, uh, Naysayer, Chickman, and uh, along with my husband here, who uh, we call him uh, Pigman, and uh, there's just like a totally normal-looking man. Pigman, kinda... yeah, Pigman. That's and a rough just... name. Yeah, Pigman, and uh, he's just standing like he just steps out of the shadow, and he's like, "Oh, hello." He's got like medium-length black hair, a little greasy, and he's just like, "Hello, I'm Pigman. Uh, I'll be back five minutes," and he leaves. Um, he goes, "Well, with the three of us, and maybe we can get some more recruits. I was thinking you'd uh, you'd work under me. We'd be a superhero team." We'd call ourselves the Barnyard. And uh, and then he stands up out of the wheelchair and he's like, yeah, I just had this thing beating around in the in the barn for a while. But uh, what do you say? And uh, Stephen Taylor, they say, looks over at Chickman and he's like, I already signed up. I think we can do a lot of good. Chickman thinks about it and he's like, I think the threats are just getting so big. I have no choice but to join. And that's how we start our first superhero team, the Barnyard. The Barnyard. The barnyard I love boys. It. No, I don't want to limit it by gender. Yeah, uh, currently, oh. currently yes, but yeah, yeah, open, open to applicants. So this is a uh, ooh, should have pulled this up ahead of time. Everyone in the slacks or the Twitch will just have to wait, and I'll cut this out in the real show. No one will know this is here while I look up John. So this is Farmer John is the uh, the team leader here, mm-hmm. and that's the new character. Uh, character name for what you don't know who the person is is that i I mean his name's john his name's john i just there's many we have several johns in the slack i want to make sure all right if you're john and you're teaching school in korea (laughs) you're you're the guy whose character this is because i can't oh i hope we don't have those classic coffee shop mix-ups that would be how many how many johns do we have who are currently school teachers well there's so many times when starbucks you know they, they just call names you know they don't like take like other information so they're like john school teacher in korea and like two guys walk up for the same latte and then they ordered the same thing so it's even harder to differentiate yeah yep yep oh it's madness uh so that's that's what i got um yeah 
Oh, good okay. Well, job. I guess I guess it's just as well they didn't have his name because I don't know how to say his last name. Fejes? I'm gonna try and say. John, you can correct me later. Yeah, uh, you can correct us at mymarvelousyear at gmail.com. Yeah, he's you can always slack. go over to uh, patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear if you want to support and correct us. And the best way to correct us is to leave a rating and a review on iTunes uh, and leave your correction there and whether or not you think the show deserves five stars. Oh, yeah. And, please. Uh, oh, that would be close super to 100 ratings. Nice. We'll do some. We'll do something special for hundred ratings. Okay. We'll do something real yeah. special. I think we'll do a hundred push-ups and we'll film it, okay. and uh, and then <laughs> actually that sounds all right. Yeah, we'll ch- at least try to do a hundred push-ups <laughs> and we'll film it, and that is our one hundred rating special. You in? Yeah, everyone, everyone wants to see that. No. <laughs> <laughs> is there any value in that? All right. Uh, so yeah, let leave that to like when you do your rating to get to hundred. Please leave if you want to see. The 100 push-ups too. So correct Zach on pronunciations and let us know if you want to see uh, both of us try to do 100 push-ups. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, yeah. Thanks whatever. for listening, everybody. <laughs> you guys are the best. Uh, yeah, music for the show is by Disasterpiece. Thanks for everybody joining on the live Twitchy. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with 1986 Part 3 Mute Massacre. Again, the biggest ding, fight ding, we've ding. ever had. Issues for the episode are included in the show notes. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next year. See you next year. Uh-huh.